Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Manchester City 2, Liverpool 2, in the Premier League from the Etihad Stadium are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. Dave, I'm not sure how I feel, man. I'm honestly not sure how I feel. Help me, help me to parse out my my emotions here. Part of me is 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 a little bit gutted, I'll be honest. And part of me is thinking on the balance of the game. Yeah, we should probably just take that and skip away merrily. Um, what way are you fixed after that very very intense 94 minutes? Well, I'm happier now than I was at half time, as I was kicking things around my office. Um. I'm sort of 40% relieved that we didn't lose because we deserved to lose for that performance. And I'm 60% pissed off at that performance. I thought Klopp got his team selection wrong. I thought we were very passive first half. I thought it was quite a cowardly performance from us first half. There was no real fight in that team at all. I thought Klopp waited too long to make certain substitutions. And I think we're very, very fortunate that City weren't a bit more clinical, that they didn't time their runs in behind our line a little bit better. But they had the freedom of the park to play down their left, our right, because a certain someone just couldn't be arsed to do his defensive work. And Trent was constantly left overloaded. Fab was having to come across. I'm looking at social media. People are saying Fab was terrible. I don't think he had a good game, but I think you can put a lot of his struggles down to the fact that he and Thiago were been asked to do three men's work between them while someone off, someone else was off prancing about, pretending they were a centre forward. Um, the good thing is, it's basically as we were. It's one point and now seven games to go. And I've seen a lot of people just concede the title after that, but... I look at their running and I see Wolves away and I see West Ham away and I think that's more difficult than what we have. We have United at home. In a normal year, you'd say that's a tough game, but United are garbage. We have Everton at home. They're garbage. Spurs at home is our hardest game, but it's at home. Their two toughest games are away from home. And we've seen them drop points to Crystal Palace and Southampton, teams they really should have beaten comfortably, teams who aren't as good as West Ham and Wolves. 
And I don't know why people are just immediately giving in. Look, if they win their last seven, then fair play to them. Give them a round of applause. If they run off seven wins in a row between now and the end of the season, fair play. But it's not over. No, it's not it's over. Just, it's just a lot of people are leaning into that because they're so annoyed with how we played today. Possibly that, but also because City are depressingly excellent as well. Mm. And, and they're thinking, okay, they're not going to slip up and we have to be perfect. And I thought what was most revealing was about this whole situation was I, I watched Kevin De Bruyne's interview um, immediately afterwards. And he was regretful about the amount of chances they had. You can tell he thinks they should have won the game and he's right. Uh, however... He did also have a sort of a rueful um, appraisal of how we need to play like this all the time. Um, and I think there may be a possibility, you know, maybe that's a thing that Reds, who are sort of oddly despondent, and why you would lack faith in this bunch of lads under Jurgen Klopp is beyond me. But, uh, you know, until the, until it's over, you don't lack faith in these kids. They've they've earned it. They've earned every bit of your faith. So, like, they I, have. And, and if we think about the last, say their last eight games before today. So this was the first game of the last eight games of the season and they've drawn it. In the eight games before that, they drew away to Southampton, who aren't good. It got walloped by Chelsea yesterday. They drew away to Crystal Palace who lost away to Leicester today and are a mid-table team. And they lost at home to a Spurs team who either side of that game were garbage. Now, I know Spurs are fourth at the minute, but Spurs lost to Chelsea, lost to Southampton, lost to Wolves, then beat City and then lost to Burnley. Like This City team are not infallible. They're a long if they way were, if, 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 they were, if they were infallible, we wouldn't have been sitting there today as excited as we were about what this game could exactly, mean and what it could Jim. lead to, because back at Christmas or whenever it was, it would have already been over, you know. So it's only seven games. There's less time for them to make a mistake. But the fact they made a mistake is the, is what gave us the chance today to put it into our hands completely. We didn't take that chance in the end, but we're no worse off than we were this morning. Well, let's pivot straight that way with you, Jim, on this topic, because say the Reds did eke out a last-minute winner there, Luis Diaz or Mo or someone gets the ball over the line and we come away dancing. Um, you still can't relax for a freaking second. No. And, you know, the, the the idea, I mean, for you, Jim, I know you've, you're, you've been watching the game as long as I have. You're, you, a win today would have been great, but you're not going off thinking, oh, that's the league in the bag now, mates. No. You know, so we a little bit of balance. It is a little bit. It, it is a bit deflating that it's as you were because you do look at the two the, the the two run-ins and you think, well, they are just fairly awesome. And you know, for all the arguments about they have big games to play, we do too. And uh, it's going to be a tough one. We just have to keep keep in it and see what happens and 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 have that bit of faith. But like I said, the the league was no way in the bag, uh, despite what all the fucking you know edge lord pundits would have told you. Even if we had won today, Jim. No, no, it definitely wasn't. And I mean, I th- this is exactly the kind of season that Sky Sports wants. I know it's not quite going the way that our friends in the commentary box want, but it, it's what they want because it's not over. There's another weekend where they could hype it up, and it could go all the way down to that last game of the season. And we weren't we weren't involved that season when Aguero scored that goal that Sky played over and over and over again when Tyler was so excited because Aguero had scored. And to be fair, I'll give him that. That was fair enough being that excited because that was 
in that moment, in that occasion, that was good time to be excited about that goal. But he could go down to that this season. That last game, that last weekend of the season could be what decides it because there's, there's room for people to slip up. And that includes us. You know, we've not got to take it for granted. But, I mean, from our point of view now, we've got a couple of other games to deal with before we get back into the league um, when we play against Taylor's other hometown team. And, you know, it's... There's just, there's so much to play for. I mean, we you know we, we we just can't relax. Imagine going into a derby against potentially relegatable Everton and thinking you've won it before you go there. You can't do that. So it's 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 still a good season. It's still an exciting season. There's still so much to play for. Um, and I'm, I, I've still got a feeling we're going to be buying pints for someone else's club's fans. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Sure who? Yeah. It wasn't Sean Dyche we bought pints for, but there'll be someone. I love that idea. I have to say it'll be the the happiest money I'll ever spend. And you know, let's let's get into the the nitty gritty of today's uh, affair. And you and I, Jim, will start by looking at the the Liverpool eleven. I know Dave will want to refer back to it. Um, and we'll we'll absolutely give you an opportunity to do that, Dave, when uh, you and I speak about City. But Jim, just to get the ball rolling on the eleven that that Jurgen went with. Literally very few surprises. I I, I think um, I think everyone would have foreseen that the defence. Um, certainly that was the the midfield that on three different podcasts I asserted that I thought was the most likely because it's Jurgen's go-to. I think in his head, uh, and then he went with Salah, Mane, and Jota uh, up top, which might have surprised a few people. A lot of people would have thought Luis Diaz might have got the got the shout. But when you have this uh, really strong-looking bench as well, it's uh, it's exciting, and 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 you know. The point is that the changes are there to be made should you need to do them because your performance is a bit subpar. Now, that is what turned out to be the case. And the the game was kind of shouting out for a change or two for sure. Um, uh, certainly at certain stages in that first half, uh, it was really getting away from us, wasn't it, Jim? And um, you wouldn't, with the best will in the world, you wouldn't necessarily have thought that that would necessarily be the case. Uh, you could always say, look, you know, if you if you uh, are critical of, of of one or two lads in that lineup, maybe you, you think Mo's not doing it at the moment. You think Sadio's not doing it. You think Henderson's not great where he is. But it's at the end of the day, Jim. It's a, that's a, that's a, a lot of footballers out there who've won a lot of things for Liverpool and can do a good job and should be able to do a good job. So. I wasn't too despondent because to me that was almost uh, 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 almost entirely predictable Liverpool 11. I thought perhaps Diaz for Jota, but other than that, I didn't see Jurgen going any other way. For good or for bad, I thought that's what, what was going to happen. What, what about yourself? What was your take when you saw it? Was there anything screaming at you uh, that you would have hoped he'd have done differently? No, pretty much exactly the same thinking as you. I mean, what team would I have picked? I'm not sure, but what team would I expect him to pick? I mean, all the way up to the front three is pretty much what I expected. That would have been the back four. He, he, you knew he was going to put Henderson in for this one. He's skipper. He wants him in for this. Whatever we think of him, he can be good sometimes. And that's the and that's the thing. If if Henderson played his best game today, we wouldn't be complaining about about him now. But no. he didn't. But he wasn't the only one who didn't. I think then when it comes to the front three, I thought I did expect Diaz to play. The only thing I thought was that. Um, by playing Jota instead, then Mane gets to play where he normally plays, where he's accustomed to playing, if you like, rather than playing centrally. But 
to me, Diaz would have been the better choice in the sense that he's good at what he does when he's not just scoring goals or trying to score them. You know, I think he's good at winning the ball, as we saw today. He's good at he's good at keeping the ball. He's good at, you know, he's good at challenging and pressing and all the rest of it, which, you know, and I'm not taking anything against away from the other front, the other front three, but I just think in many ways he would have almost been my first pick for the front three today and then decide who else to go with. Of course, no sooner do you see that and then obviously Jota pops up with one. And that's the thing, all five of those main front three choices are good choices but yeah um i think we just knew he was going to play henderson i don't think you know if i was putting money on it i would have put all the money on henderson be, being able to play because that's what i expected Klopp to do but you know in hindsight i wonder whether Klopp's starting to see now that you know maybe hendo isn't the first choice maybe a better option would have been to have hendo to come on for the last half an hour because he's not you know however good he has been however good he can be however you know, however kind or unkind you want to be about him, he's definitely not as good now as he was. You know, he's getting older. He's not able to play as much at the same intensity, maybe. And it, the, the mistakes he made today, in in some ways, could have been much more costly than they were. And the other trouble is, though, again, in hindsight, looking at it now, there's a lot of plays that you would say weren't worthy of the play, certainly in that first half. But I think before the before the match, you would not have expected yourself to be saying that at all, and that that's kind of what skewed it for me. Um, totally different game second half, but first half, a lot of those players didn't deserve the pay packets for this game, and I know that's not all that motivates them. But I'm, I'm pretty sure at halftime, all Klopp needed to say to them is, "What the hell are you doing? Go just just be yourselves now, please." And thankfully, they were a lot more themselves in the second half. It was just. Front to back, the blunders were too many, and, and it felt like we got nervous, and that's that's a worry because we shouldn't be getting nervous now. We've been in the big time and in the big games for a while. Um, it, it reminded me of that horrible game when when Rodgers was manager and we played Chelsea at home. The whole stadium was nervous, the players were nervous, and Gerard slipped, and Chelsea wrote a song about it, and the nerves then were terrible, and it just felt like it was an inexperience that that was doing that to us, and it felt a bit like that today. You know, I. Just, the fact that we took change at half time, changed the mood, if you like, changed the approach from us, I think shows that at least we have had that experience, but we, we can't let ourselves be nervous like that again and again. No, not for the rest of the season, that's for sure. And uh, Dave, you know, if you want, if like I say, Dave, if you want, if you want to refer back to Liverpool 11, please do. But let's you and I just take a quick look at City and, and the way they went. Obviously, um, it was more pundits and um, lads writing think pieces who are actually overthinking it rather than Pep. Um, it's not really that shocking of a lineup with Walker, Stones and Laporte and Cancelo. Uh, that's it. That's a proper unit right there. Uh, Rodri and Bernardo Silva um, doing bits in midfield with De Bruyne ahead of them and then Sterling, Foden and Jesus were the three that he went with. And that's, I guess, where there might have been an eyebrow or two raised. Certain people were thinking, would Grealish get the shout? Other people would have uh, put the house on Mares getting the shout. And the fact that two of them were on the bench was probably surprising. Um, and for the first time, I look at a Manchester City bench, bench and I compare it with the Liverpool bench. And I think, fucking hell, for all their money, we're actually stronger across uh, the full depth of the squad, I think. It's, it's, it's tight, but I think we're actually stronger across the depth of the squad. And so that gave me a little bit of a, a frisson of, of excitement uh, before the game kicked off at all. Talk to me a little bit about City, whether they were exactly as you and Carl predicted they would be. Uh, and um, if you want, like I say, to, to, to make a little reference back to the LFC lineup, please feel free to do that. 
No, I can't be arsed talking about the Liverpool team. Um, the City team, I, I thought Mares would start. He's the one I did think would start. I thought he'd start instead of instead of Gabriel Jesus um, because he's been pretty good since Christmas. He's been in a good vein of form, and I think I heard the commentator say Jesus hadn't scored since New Year's Day or something like that. So it was a little bit of a surprise, but. Once you saw the two teams line up and realised what their game plan was, it became very obvious why he started Jesus. He's quicker, he's more of a direct runner, and considering all of their build-up play was going to come down their left, our right, they were looking for that ball across the box with Jesus being a better finisher coming in on a stronger right foot, as opposed to Mares, who's incredibly left-foot dominant, and his right leg is basically just there for standing on. So any ball whipped across or any crosses like we saw for their second goal, are a much easier finish for Jesus than they are for Mares. I thought Pep got his team absolutely spot on. Um, it is... He is the only manager in the world, though, that could spend $100 million on a fella and just sit him on the bench for the most important game of the season. Like, no one else would get away with that. The fact that Grealish has been a failure this season and doesn't get in their best eleven. And when we talk about their best 11, you'd look at their team that played today and you'd say, if they're making a change in midfield, it's Gundogan to come in. If they're making one in the front three, it's Mares to come in. In neither scenario would Jack Grealish be the first one up off the bench. Any other manager gets absolutely slated for that, for the fact that Grealish is not one of the four best in either line, and yet you spent $100 million on him. It must be a great luxury to have. Like Imagine $100 million in the hands of Jurgen Klopp. That gets us three brilliant players. They got one player who's not good enough to start for them. And when he does start, they don't look the same level of team. Um, was a bit surprised he didn't bring on Gundigan at some point today. I thought he could have made a difference. His ability to float between the lines off the ball, especially given the amount of space that was being left um, to the right side of our midfield. I thought Gundigan could have taken advantage, but I, I thought Pep nailed it today. I thought he got it. Absolutely spot on. And if it wasn't for a couple of great saves, some really good defending by Virgil and an offside flag, they would have got the result that they deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hate to nod in agreement with all of that, but I am. Uh, we should just point out really that while Anthony Taylor and, and Paul Tierney were the talk of the pre-match, um, We'd have to say that there weren't any great, um, terrifyingly awful um, shouts, um, you know, considering the carnage that could have been wreaked. Uh, so I don't think... I thought Anthony, Taylor had a good game. Yeah, I don't think he warrants any any great criticism at all. Um, he, he, he was pretty solid. Uh, we'll talk about maybe one or two things as we go and see what we make of it. <laughs> Dave, let's see you and I build up to... Um, Let's just talk about the, the opening part of the game where we where we do go a goal down because um, on four minutes there is a move by them that opens us up and, and Sterling should score. Um, um, Allison makes a fantastic save coming off his line to get out and and and, and basically block 
the shot. It's an outrageous save, and 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 this needs saying. There was a lot of chat about was he or wasn't he, or was there offside or was there not offside. Uh, there were limited replays because obviously within a minute uh, we are one 0 down, and it's De Bruyne because we never really recovered. You talked earlier on about the uh, an absence. I think you said I think it was fight the word you used yeah. in this in this team. And um, it's interesting you, you use that because um, I, I need to bring it up later on in relation to uh, uh, some Gary Neville, Martin Tyler bollocks. Um, but but it, it's interesting because that is how it felt. It felt as if we were very what they used to call in the 80s after you, Claude, and, um, you know, sort of scuffed clearances into dangerous areas and half arsed attempts and uh, just not enough steel about us because after that shock where we need our goalkeeper to be brilliant I think there's about 30 odd seconds and it is 1-0 to them, it is De Bruyne he runs at us as we fail to clear our lines, that's effectively what we're doing is we can't clear the fucking ball Um, De Bruyne runs at a combination of Fabinho and Henderson, he's nearer to Fabinho so Fab got all the blame for being beaten uh, whereas uh, the other lad was just sort of jogging alongside him Uh, but yeah nonetheless goes past Fab and he drives a left foot shot uh, that has the Ali, I think, has covered, um, but Joel's rushing out to try and do some defending, and the ball comes off his leg and goes in, uh, deflects away from Ali and goes in off the post and across, um, almost went across the goal line, but you know, just go, just about goes in. It's great play by De Bruyne. It's mm. opportunism. It's a lad who's probably you know realistically speaking in any world 11 he's just an outrageous talent he looked at again today um there's a couple he's, of things he's a stupidly good footballer stupid like, stupidly really good is yeah yeah there's a couple of things and maybe you might just just humor me here as well so i'm not sure if we'll have time to bring it up talk to me about the the that, that those opening minutes and the concession of the goal and uh, give me your take on it but also there's endless chit chat about Liverpool's high line, and it's usually redundant because teams aren't good enough to get either the combination of the passing or the runs correct to exploit it, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I end up being indignant and talking about how we do this fucking brilliantly on most shows because we do. But when you have players like Kevin De Bruyne who can wait and release a pass properly when you have players of the standard of Riyad Mahrez who can wait and run properly or Raheem Sterling who can wait and run properly and make a proper run at the right time then suddenly perhaps there is something to be said about using it as a tactic against truly world-class footballers. So it's a very interesting thing. Feel free to ignore that if you want, but it, it, it mightn't come up again. Uh, and talk to me around the concession of the goal. So just on, on that point, right, you look at that City team and Canseo, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden are all, I would say, world-class level playmakers. Lads who can just find a bit of space, have the touch and the awareness and the poise and the passing ability to unlock any defence. Rodri has has a pass in them too. Rodri as well. Rodri needs the game more in front of him though. Like he's not going to take the ball in and turn. But like Bernardo today continually just 
we'll get into it more when we talk about the second half. But like Henderson was needlessly pressing Laporte from early on, and Rodri just kept standing behind him. And Laporte was just knocking the ball past Henderson. Rodri or Bernardo was picking it up in acres of space, turning with loads of room to move into and runners going everywhere. De Bruyne, the two fullbacks and the front three. And that's where our high line becomes a little bit of a risk because he has the ability to go first time to one of the runners but those runners are making those runs regardless. And if we drop with them, well, then he's got a simple short ball to De Bruyne, to Bernardo Silva, or to, to Canseo overlapping. And all of a sudden, they're now moving into space, but they're 15, 20 yards further up. And now our defence has dropped and is in retreat, and they're threatening again. So it does become a bit of a game of cat and mouse. Like, I thought we held the line really well today, as we always do. But it was riskier today because of their ability to mix and match. Like they can throw you off with a short pass or a long pass. Any one of them can dis- disguise a pass between the lines. We have players that can do. We have Trent. We have Thiago. We have Mo. They're all world-class level playmakers as well. It's just very unusual for us to come up against a team that has three of them in their Sorry, four of them in their um in their team normally it's one or two maybe three like us but it's rare that someone has four the goal is a shambles so as you said we got that scare when sterling is sent through again a pass under no pressure plays him through ali does phenomenally well like it is incredible goalkeeping and it wouldn't be the first time or the last time it's not the first time or the last time he'll do that for us this season he's been amazing in 1v1s but we never settled after you would have thought somebody would have started barking at that point and got things settled but instead they win the free kick really quickly afterwards we're sloppy with the ball they pick it up and they win that free kick Fabinho's close to the ball De Bruyne just drifts to the left And Henderson's far too busy crying at the referee and doesn't even bother going with him. So when De Bruyne picks the ball up, Henderson just jogs across. Fab is trying to get there, doesn't get close. And like you said, he's the one getting a lot of the blame. But he's getting the blame because people aren't actually looking at. If you look at a freeze frame of when the free kick was awarded and then like five second intervals until the goal, just watch what Henderson does. It's very much that thing of if I don't do my defensive work and someone else does it and they don't do it well, it's their fault and not mine. But that's a shambles from him crying at the referee rather than getting over to cover the area he's meant to be in. It's such a lack of just basic intelligence. It's brilliant from De Bruyne. It absolutely is. And unfortunately for Joel, he tries to get a block on it does get a, a bit to it and, and it, it goes in it's I think I so it's the second first half goal we've conceded in the last 21 games yeah and both of them have gone in off Joel um the Rashika one and that one so you know poor old Joel um but yeah it, it's just it's so poor from Henderson and Fabinho's getting the blame for I don't know what like not being able to cover two places in once yeah do, do you know what um just for the record thought 
again, I thought Joel was excellent today. Um, um, really, really good. Uh, mm. And I would say as well that, again, for the record, I you, people will be aware that, you know, I always I do my best at least to try and pre- present a somewhat neutral view on on as many things as I can, um, just in a host capacity. But I think somewhere there's a camel out there. Um, with uh, the legend Hendo uh, painted across it and someone just put a straw on his back and I think he may have broken it because if you're not getting that feeling from that outing today, uh, Martin Tyler, um, noted football savant, was talking about how uh, Henderson was leading the press then Gary Neville noticed it as well, um, mm. with great uh, glee and, and and delight and 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 you know jolly hockey sticks. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is he doing leading the press? What the fuck is he what? doing leading the press? It, that that in a game where we are getting played through, you mm. cannot be going charging off to close down, you know. And it's not like if those idiots are seeing it. It's obviously a massive feature of the game that he's one of the first people. And also, here's another thing, and let's give it give give that its due as well. Is there a possibility that that's exactly what he's been told to do? And if there is, then we then then we have well, to apportion blame elsewhere. And you know, if that, that's Klopp a, called that's... him over in the second half and was very clearly telling him <coughs> to hold his position. And when in 30 seconds Henderson was 25 yards out of position, char- running very slowly. Adam Eric Laporte, who just played it round him, and City were away again. And like, he was the next player to go off, wasn't he? That's the thing, and then he was he hauled was. off. And, and the thing is, like, I don't hear about leading the press, because leading the press is not running aimlessly at people that you don't get anywhere close to and having the ball passed past you. Leading the press is not pressing their right-side centre-back or their right-sided midfielder when you're our right-sided midfielder. That's just being out of position. That's chasing the ball. That's not pressing. There's no intelligence in that. All you're doing is you're leaving other players exposed. And we saw it today. I mean, you mentioned Joel. I thought Joel had a good game. I thought Virgil had a very good game. I thought defensively Trent did outstandingly well. Other than their second goal, which we'll get to. But Trent was left 2-3v1 and at different times. Salah was doing more to help Trent than Henderson. And it was just time and again in that first half, Henderson would trail De Bruyne across and then completely ignore him as De Bruyne just drifted off into space and Henderson got fixated on the ball and then pressed the ball despite the fact, like, you're not getting the ball there. Why are you pressing these players when you're not getting the ball? What part of this do you struggle with? That you're not quick enough or good enough at pressing to get the ball? And all people need to do is look at his pressing numbers over the last few years. Listen to under pressure. He's a middle-of-the-road presser. He just runs a lot. And today he was running a lot very slowly. And by probably 60, he was basically walking around the place. He was walking around the place. And you could see him try to skip to get his legs going again. And there was just nothing there. How he stayed in the field. I, I just I have a fear that you know obviously this is, I, I I'm very aware we're feeding into a big big uh, ongoing chat, but I just have the fear that there's at this point it, it's getting cultish. 
if you can't just maybe see that there could be some issues and and and, and I, I wanted to bring oh, no, it it's, a, it's a full-blown cult Trev and that full-blown Trump was born but but there's a the that, there's a that season there's a title winning season there's a navigated cult as well Dave and we have to acknowledge that and, and there, who, there people who, who are daftly just saying blah 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 so it's just yeah it's it's, 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 it's a real course season I mean I'm, it's not a good analogy because some horses get uh, put down when they get to a certain stage or sign up to stud or whatever. But um, it's if this was a League Cup game that we were playing against Man City in October, I, he'd probably play that, you know, the captain of the kids kind of thing. You know, you, you bring him in. Like you'd expect to see Milner play maybe, you know, in a yeah. League Cup game. But when you get to a game like this, I mean, this is quite clearly by far the best team we've played this season. You know, that was the most difficult opponent I think we've had this season. By a mile. So, you know, is he the right player? You know, when you're rotating and you're bringing him in, yeah, okay, play him against Norwich. You know, you know what I mean? That that That's fine. But this is, the, I think... This for is the, the last four now. years, there's been a time and a place for James Milner. The time yeah. is generally the last five to ten minutes of the game or the place is generally a League Cup game or, you know, one of the more, more very straightforward league games. We're at that point with Jordan Henderson. I now. think that's Jordan's place and time. There is yeah. a time and a place yeah. for Jordan Henderson. Yeah. And yeah. Big games has never been a time and a place for him. There's always something goes wrong with him. Like even you think back to 13-14, he does really well against City and then loses his head in the last minute and gets himself sent off. Yeah, but you see, there's also, like, I mean, and it's not necessarily, these aren't even necessarily cult members, but they're the lads who will tell you, big games, big games, Dave, big games, we won the league. He's lifted the trophy. We won the Champions League. He's lifted the trophy. We've won the, the cup this there season. There is a weird thing where people seem to think wearing an armband makes you a better player. That because he lifted the trophy, he was more important to it than That's Virgil and Salah and That's Manny where I'm and going with the actual yeah, great I, I, players who won it. I hate like, the captaincy idea. I mean, I, I always remember laughing at England because <laughs> someone gave David Beckham the armband. They, I think it was Peter Taylor or someone who was like an interim yeah, manager. Yeah, and he had to think, be captain from that. He had to be in the team yeah, from then on. Every manager who had him had to play him because he had to be captain. And it's just, you know, I just think we play too much, put too much on what the captaincy is. I mean, I just think, you know what, do it in a, do it by age order if you have to, do it by alphabetical order, do it by how long they've been at the club order. That's what Klopp does you know. though. Klopp does it by who's at the club the longest. That's what he's always done. He did this the same thing at Dortmund. And if you think of it, who's he given the captaincy to at Liverpool over the years in one-off games? The likes of John Flanagan, Lucas Leiva, uh, Jose Enrique was captain for a game because they've been at the club the longest. Yeah, Klopp but that's the thing. Really... You're just holding the armband for that game. You're not assuming for the next match. And that's, that's what we've got to separate. You know, Henderson is not... You know, we can celebrate what he's done, but that doesn't take away from what he's doing now. You know, then that's the thing. It's and the problem is like now, he's not offering anything as a footballer right now. He's he's he doesn't he's absolutely appalling defensively. On the ball, he can still have his moments. And you know, we've seen him play in that number six position certain games this season and be very, very good. We saw him away to Everton, have a really good game. But those games you can count on one hand, the bad games you're running out of digits between your fingers and toes. But surely the the bare minimum he has to bring, if people are talking about him as, you know, setting the tone, setting the example, being a leader out there, surely to God, when there's a free kick in the fifth minute and we've just had a big scare, he's the one you want trying to calm things down, not bitching at the referee. And when I talk about the nerves... words with somebody. When I, when I talked about the nerves, I mean, the, the nervous 
nervousness. That's, that is what your skipper should be doing. He should be calming those nerves. He should be, you know, the calming influence. They, they get you excited when you look complacent. Get you get you calming down when you when you're losing your head. And we, I just felt like we were really jittery today. And maybe the skipper was jittery, and that was that was passing going through the rest of the team. It just it's worrying, as I've said. We shouldn't be looking nervous in any game. And look, game. he wasn't the only one that was bad first half. He was the yeah. worst of a bad bunch. But there's a difference between great players having a bad game and someone who's just been poor most of the season having a game that replicates what they've done most of the season. So, like, if people think we're being un- like unfair on him, he has been poor most of the season. It's been whitewashed because not one journalist had the guts to go and write about it. They released hatchet pieces about Naby Keita when he had his first poor game of the season against Atletico Madrid. But nobody's written a word about Henderson's season. Not one no. of them. <laughs> maybe the truth is that, that Henderson and Cater aren't actually good enough for us for that position, and maybe you know maybe we need to look for someone else. It's not Jim. necessarily that you pick well, him. I, I think I, I him, think everybody you know. agrees with that, Jim. I think everybody would agree if Liverpool are going to go and buy one starter in the summer, it's that midfield position. And then Naby's the backup that... to Thiago, Henderson's yeah. the backup to Fabinho. You get a new starter in there, and then you've still got Elliot Jones. Carvalho, if he comes in in the summer, who can fill in, you know, there and in attack. But that's the weak link of our team. And yeah. it's where we're short. It's where we're short. If we're going to be, if we're, if we're going to come up short, it's there. And, you know, Jim, let's ease the captain's armband onto your, uh, <laughs> onto your bulging bicep there and, and, and move forward with this game. Because, listen, I'm, I'm literally zero zero apologies for having that conversation which is utterly utterly central to any Liverpool fans thinking at the moment if they're looking at the game in in a, in a, in, a, in a you know honest way we go 1-1 on 12 minutes Jim and you and I are going to talk about that and then we're going to talk about the run up until uh the time where City go 2-1 ahead we'll bring Dave back in let's look at that real quick because when we go one all, um, and it's through Diogo Jota, we'd ha- we'd been playing some good football and starting to um, find a little bit of rhythm. Um, it ends with Robbo um, finding Trent, and Trent's hat volley cut back is swept home under the keeper, um, who you could say should possibly do better by Diogo, who's arriving in that right place to hit his 21st goal of the fucking season let's let's give the give the lad credit where it's due 21 goals that is outrageous and for all the kind of facile comments about he's not great or he does this he does that who gives a shit if your striker scores goals and he does that and that's a massive massive goal that Diogo Jota has gotten for us again uh, I want to just let you chat about that quickly and then me and you are going to like I say push on through the second half or the first half to where we uh concede again well i think yeah i think i mean that that it, it took us a second i think to get our breath back after we'd conceded and i think at that point we were still trying to find our feet there was nervousness um certainly after the goal i mean i, I think um Jesus was brought down at one point but the ref had already blown there was um and i you know i just remember thinking how nervous we looked but then we just started to kind of remember what we do and what we do best is attack. Um, and we did it. And that, that that goal from Jota, I'm not taking anything away from him. He He's 21 goals and he's done it almost unnoticed, if you like, because there are times in games when he's anonymous, times in games when, you know, he's not, not doing everything right, but he does enough. And he, 
is a problem. You know, he, he, I think I can remember years ago, Liverpool had Paul Walsh playing when Kenny Dalglish was manager. By this point, Kenny had sort of hung his boots up or was about to. Walsh was wearing his number seven shirt. And there was like all this stuff in the press about Walsh not scoring game after game. But when he actually went to the game, it was him who was making the space for others to score. It was him who was setting the goals up. This was the days before assists were probably counted anyway, for anyone kept a record of them. And this is sometimes what gets forgotten is the contributions players have in other ways. And I think I think Jota's a great a great member of our front five. And it's as I said early on, we, how you pick the three out of those five is is a nice problem to have. Um, and the, you know, and it depends who you're playing and the form and all the rest of it. But they're all all good choices. Uh, especially on the day, and and this is the thing he just keeps he just keeps finding that net, doesn't he? And that at that point we'd silence them. That goal silenced that that the home fans. I mean, before the goal they were cheering throw-ins as if they just won the league. Then they scored, and the the volume did go up for a bit. We scored, and that place just went dead. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They were actually they were stunned into silence. And the disappointment is that we didn't capitalise on that. You know that the old Liverpool teams of old in Europe and stuff like that. Once you've silenced the home fans, you can go for the throat then. And sadly, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. And you're right. And they were actually booing possession as well, mm. whistling possession in a way that was you know, borderline intimidating. Obviously, it fell away because, you know, empty had. But <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll push on from there because on 15 minutes, three minutes after the goal, Walker um, helped the ball on to Sterling. He lays it off to Jesus, who's effort was pretty much straight at Ali, thankfully. There was a good ball forward by Robbo, which nearly got Mo in straight after that, but the keeper got there in front of him. Um, there was then a dangerous walker ball uh, right into the box, cleared by Virgil van Dijk on 18 minutes. That led to a corner. Um, Fab with a possession giveaway on 19 minutes. Resulted in a, bit, a little bit of chaos on another corner. Emerson then, uh, for no reason whatsoever, uh, nearly puts through his own net by sort of miss, taking an air swipe. And I, to be fair to the kid, having enough self possession to let the ball roll back towards his dead his goal line and 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 still make the pass across. <laughs> and Jota is sliding in with great intent. God bless him. Uh, and it's, you know, it's one of those moments. 24 minutes then, there's a free in, which found Rodri at the back post. Now, his header is back across. So from the left to the right. Uh, and it really is very dangerous looking. And anybody could have just applied a little bit of a touch to finish it. Um, there's no evidence that there was anybody offside or anything like that so that's another let off 27 minutes Robbo's in late and De Bruyne picks up a yellow now from the free kick that came from that yellow card uh, uh, we we, uh, we we turned things around and Trent actually tried one from his own half and uh, just inside his own half but he didn't get his execution right now again and I have to sort of grudgingly admit that the, I don't know which of the two commentators it was, but if you were going to pick a Liverpool player 
to strike that ball from there. It is that guy because he is ridiculous with his execution. It didn't come off on that occasion. And in 28 minutes, Cancelo played, was played in off a long ball. Uh, he found De Bruyne who swiveled, um, this is on the left, and shot wide of the near post. Uh, Joel did really, really well on a 1v1 uh, with Foden on on the half-hour mark. And then we had a little bit of possession ourselves. And a decent move. Uh, And it was building and building and building. And then we found uh, the last ball was, was Hendo with options aplenty. And he just hits a terrible kind of dinked past to no one on 32 minutes so you're looking at rare opportunities Jim and then on 34 um, the ball goes into Cancelo uh, he hit the side rigging on the near post uh, on 34 minutes 35 minutes De Bruyne rolled the ball into the six yard box Joel clears it it's a corner and on 36 minutes it's Gabby Jesus we tried to clear the corner via Joel um, but the ball was hit back in by Rodri it's a lovely pass credit where it's due really beautifully executed pass Jesus has timed his run perfectly off Trent uh, ball hops um, from this really gorgeous Rodri pass and as Ali approaches and rushes out uh, Jesus applies, like I say, a half volley finish um, to the back of the net. Now, there are, I think, I think nine times out of ten, our man probably saves that. And, and I've literally no criticism for it at all because it's a beautiful finish. It's a really good pass. And our man does all he can. But the, he's just so bloody good. It's almost a surprise to see him getting beaten by that, if, if you know what I mean, Jim. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that chunk of the match where... They did have the the majority of the play, but we looked like if we could have been a bit more cynical and clinical, uh, we could have possibly stolen this game. Yeah, I think um, we, we we were our own worst enemies again for for spells between the two, you know, between our equalizer and their and their second. It was um, the same kind of thing that when you know they, they're going to attack, they're going to come at you, but you get the ball out. And I mean, I know we're not hoof merchants. I know we're not the kind of people who say just find row z and stuff like that but you know sometimes that might be not too bad an idea just to you know rather than trying to place a headed clearance to someone when there's you know two liverpool plays and three city plays in that general area you've sort of gently headed it towards there was too much of that going on too much you're just not getting the ball clear just not you know not even printing out for a throw rather than than losing possession at and it, it, in, in terms of like losing possession in, in open play, a throw gives you a chance to reset yourselves a little bit. At least it just felt like, I don't know, we, again, we were rattled. But then I mean, that moment when, when Edison nearly scored an own goal, that, that was that was just classic Brazilian goalkeeper stuff because we've seen Ali do similar kinds of things. They just have these uh, these moments, don't they, where almost as if they're just trying to entertain us. I think, you know, if that had been an English goalkeeper making that mistake, he'd have ended up sliding to stop it going in and scored big style wouldn't he so um you know it's, it's entertainment but i think that was the only moment where really we felt we had we we were in with a chance of sort of extending our, our well not extending getting getting the lead you know building on what we've done with that goal from jota um the trend one i think that was worth a try i think in the end he, i think he slits a bit as he took it and of course, our, our favourite commentators on on for those of us who have to endure Sky, Tyler compared it to Beckham's shot from the halfway line from sometime in 
1870s, I think that was. I mean, as if that's the only time anyone's ever scored from the halfway <laughs> line. He could always give Chabby a ring. Chabby Alonso might be able to help him on that. But it it, it was. I mean, it, and that was the kind of thing, I think, in that spell, then maybe the, the two main chances we had was Trent's speculative halfway line effort and the, the City goalkeeper nearly scoring for us. And I think that just says a lot about how we were playing. Then we were still sort of on the back foot. We were still... I don't know, almost like letting them come at us. And I think there's times we've done that this season against lesser teams, and it's been fine doing that because we've always got that bit of extra skill. And, you know, we've we've said it before, if you do get past the defence, we've got Ali in the way, and Ali will will stop you. And if you do manage to get a pass as well, we'll we'll get one against you. And, you know, we've had spells where we have kind of almost rested in games. We've just been in second gear. And I just felt today that we'd forgotten that, you know, We've done so well in second and third gear in recent games that we've almost forgotten that we've got a fourth, fifth, sixth gear, whatever, and we just didn't even go looking for it. And it felt inevitable that they were going to score. It just, it just felt inevitable. But as it was, as you say, that was it was a tremendous goal. It was, you know, he he sussed out how to beat our offside trap. He ran perfectly, and I was waiting for it to be ruled offside because it just looked too good to be true from their point of view that they that that would go in but no it, it wasn't offside he timed it perfectly and as you say maybe other times Ali would have done something about it but I, I think it's wrong to kind of be critical for the actual goal of Liverpool because that was a good Man City goal but where you can be critical is is what led to it you know it was it was Liverpool just not clearing the ball from from various occasions from various uh, attempts by City, just not getting any control on the game at all. I've never seen Liverpool so out of control, if that's the right word, uh, right phrase, as if, as they were in that first half today. And that it just it just felt inevitable that they were going to score. And you know, in a way, you could almost say two one that maybe that wasn't even a fair reflection of the way the game had gone at that point. That maybe two one was was being kind to Liverpool. Well, it's interesting you say that because just to finish out that first half, uh, there was a um, dangerous ball in by Foden, which nearly picked out Sterling on 42. Uh, one of the captain's best minutes happened a minute later. He played in Jota, who could have done so much better and pull us uh, uh, level on 43 minutes. Um, but then, just to emphasise the point you just made, Jim, uh, they get a great buzz, City do, out of uh, a Laporte and a magic uh, Allison save where Laporte was clearly offside. And then after Sadio Mane was fouled and the free was given and the game played on for reasons and Foden hit it home to the back of the net, then based on that, which was not anything to do with a game that was legally being played <laughs> both um both of our pals neville and tyler went on a rant about how uh, we should be losing by more based on that not on anything that actually had gone before where you that, could absolutely guarantee like that's actually not a bad point you're making there lads yeah that, that, waited, that, the, the effort that was that so late and another referee would have booked him for that because it was so far honestly, after the whistle had honestly gone. it's a, it's a yellow card honestly and and they used that for their little look but you know what i'll, I'll, I'll credit words to you i think the general sentiment of what they were saying was probably true so I, much as it pains me to give it to them I will and Dave the second half and let's take that first maybe 15 minutes or so of this second half and I'm, I'm gonna can, can I just go. very quickly talk about the first half because I only got like five minutes um go on dude yeah the first half like the the first goal our goal 
Thiago's pass makes that goal. Nothing's happening. He switches the play massively, and all of a sudden they're all at sea. That's what the first goal comes from. But what was interesting was we only played well in the game after we went behind in, in the first half. Like they scored and then we sort of woke up and played well for eight minutes and then scored and then went back to sleep. It was the most bizarre thing that we just seemed to like almost be accepting of a draw as if, like you said earlier, we, we felt like we were honoured to be there. But you guys mentioned that you just sorry, Trev, you mentioned the Foden, the Foden thing at the end. The commentator tried to claim that he didn't hear the whistle because the atmosphere was incredible. I thought the atmosphere was dog shit. Mm. For a big game like that, I thought the atmosphere was really, really poor. I don't think those fans know what it's like to create a real atmosphere. Now, maybe the stadium isn't particularly good acoustically. I don't know. But the atmosphere seemed really, really flat. And maybe that affected us as well, because you remember back when there was no fans, City just played the exact same way because they're like a really cold, clinical type of team, almost surgical in their approach. Whereas with us, it, it almost felt like when they scored and the crowd did sort of get into it, we got into it as well as if we were able to feed off that. It was the same thing in midweek in Benfica. When the crowd were really up against us in the first half, we seemed to play really well. We do, yeah. And then in the second half, or it, it, when once we scored today, rather, we just went completely flat. It's strange uh, on so many levels. The, the yeah, lavish thing in that stadium was the double height advertising holdings, which was so distracting. <laughs> and they were all advertising Abu Dhabi businesses of various flavors. Oh, uh, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder how many of them are owned by uh, mm. by Sheikman. So, do you know what's funny, right? Just completely as, as an aside, they don't sell that stadium out most weeks. As you guys said, it's known as the empty hat for a reason. They have the second cheapest season ticket in the entire division. Like, their most expensive season ticket is cheaper than the cheapest season ticket at Anfield. And yet, they still can't sell the place out. And they're giving away 5,000 tickets most week, most weeks to, like, kids from schools and stuff. Yeah. And, and yet, like, they want us to believe that they're the most commercially powerful club in the world, even though they've clearly got, a, <laughs> like, quite a very small fan base. Well, they made money in COVID, Dave, so, you know. <laughs> Hundreds of millions, apparently. Hundreds the, the lads, the lads, uh TM have never fucked up so royally as printing those results. Like seriously, if you wanted to say, "Hey, sports washing," <laughs> then, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I mean, it's fucking stunning. Uh, yeah, that's they, the trouble. The most expensive season ticket at City costs a hundred million pounds per season, doesn't it? That's the oh, problem. Oh, that's the, sorry, you're right. Yeah, there is that one. Yeah, that does that. That is quite a pricey. <laughs> It's a pricey ticket. Uh, Dave, let's talk about the second half, um, uh, which, uh, which you know, I, I fully uh, agree with your uh, with your reversal to to, to 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 the first half. It starts with us going level, and it's not just that it starts with us going level. It's a wonderful sort of reassertion of oh well, actually we we can be in this uh, if you just don't mind. We'll talk about the goal, which is Sadio Mane's goal beautiful through ball by Mo and Sadio sweeping at home 
uh, coming in from the left to the center to sweep the ball home. It's a fucking great goal. Uh, we also have a, a great move in 48 minutes, which ends with a ball by Robbo in that probably should be a bit better because there's a real opportunity there. 50 minutes, ball in by Jada. Again, should be better executed because Sadio's inside him. Um, 51 minutes, Mo plays a fantastic ball into Jada. And Jada's toe poke is saved by Ederson because he's a good goalkeeper. And then there's an outrageous ball into Jada by Trent on 56 minutes. Uh, and Thiago takes out uh, Jesus as they break. He gets no yellow, uh, but he picks up a yellow a couple of minutes later uh, on 61 minutes. Uh, and on 60 minutes, Jesus beats Rabo, cuts back in to shoot. Virgil's there to block it. Now, that's the opening sort of, like I say, opening salvo, 15-odd minutes or so of that uh, second half. There's quite a few bits going on there, but we are very, very much in the ascendancy. We are far more dominant than we have been at any other spell in the game. Uh, than we go on to be in any other spell in the game. It's our, it's our purple patch. Uh, in the middle of that purple patch, Gary Neville says, the city are cultured, but they're up against a street fighter in Liverpool. And I'm thinking, fuck you, Gary Neville. Yes. Fuck you, Gary Neville. City are cultured, but they're up against a street fighter in Liverpool. There is literally a fucking hair's breadth, a gnat's chuff, etc. Use your use your expression of choice between the the the, the standard of football that we play in Manchester City play, mm. and he has us reduced to some sort of fucking plucky Burnley. What a fucking prick. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I could not agree more because. He just, he cannot, no matter what we do, he can't bring himself to avoid taking a dig. Like, even when he's trying to praise us, there's always a little underlying dig in there. And it is massively a Manchester versus Liverpool thing. And it's, you know, it's it's all of England versus Liverpool in a lot of ways. We've seen in the past with, say, a, a player like Wayne Rooney. If Rooney had been born anywhere else, if Rooney wasn't a scouser, Rooney would have been held up on a far higher pedestal by English football fans because he was this phenomenal talent that appeared at 16 and just had this incredible gift with the football. But yet all people wanted to do was splash him all over the front page for negative things, not give him any kind of protection the way you see given to, I don't know, Mason Greenwood currently not able to play because he's been accused of rape. Uh, Phil Foden, who was caught pissed up swinging a punch at somebody at a boxing event. You don't see that on the front page. But Wayne Rooney's life was all over the front page. And I wonder why that is. Could it be where he's from? But like with, with Liverpool, it is. It's that, you know, this street fighter thing. And I'm looking at our team and I'm thinking, Trent the most cultured right back in the world, Virgil, the most cultured centre back, Fabinho, incredibly cultured, Thiago, incredibly cultured, Salah, incredibly cultured. Like, these are cultured footballers. There's no street fighters in this Liverpool team. There's no Roy Keane in this team or, I don't know, Vieira or anything like that in this team. There's none of that. There's none last, of that. We're not some plucky little bunch of upstarts. The last Foden with a street fighter haircut. Yeah, the, the last Street Fighters we had, if you want to if you want to lean into this, 
were Luis Suarez and uh, and 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 uh, Mascherano. Yeah. And, and and by the way, I'm sorry, but I'm saying that I'm hyper aware that that's a fucking terrible stereotyping job I'm yeah. doing there. Uh, but 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 they to be fair to the two lads, they'll also lean into it if you like. hundred percent, hundred percent leaning into that. But <laughs> like we're not like like you know all you ever hear about is. John Stones, what a cultured centre-back. And you look at the two boys we have playing today, Joel and Virgil, I would argue probably the two best ball-playing centre-backs in world football. Joel as the ball carrier, Virgil as the passer. And yet they don't they don't get half the, the praise that John Stones gets or Ben White, two lads that couldn't defend if their lives depended on it. But yet our two are knocking the ball around, carrying the ball, doing different things, and never gets mentioned. And, and America Laporte as well, because he's left-footed. What a cultured footballer. Look at that left foot. Joe can say, oh, I had Jim, you you Neanderthals had Neville and and thing. I, I had Neville on one screen, but I was largely watching the game with Jim Beglin on commentary. Yeah. And Jim Beglin seemed desperate for us to get a player sent off. Like, he seemed desperate for us to get a player sent off. On the Fabinho one where he got the yellow, oh, that's right, an orange card territory, that is. And then when Thiago got fouled, having already been booked and ended up clattering into uh, De Bruyne because he was being fouled, he wanted him sent off as well. But, like, there is just this weird media narrative that we're some, like, gang of thugs who are performing well above our station. Maybe for Neville it's difficult because... He looks at the team we have and he looks at what his team put out yesterday and looks at how much money they've spent and how much chaos there is around that club. And he's just desperately upset about it. But, like, be upset at City. Like, if it wasn't for City, you'd still at least be the number one team in in your own city. You know, you've been relegated to number two in Manchester, let alone anywhere else. Um, But the first 15 minutes, anyway, away from Gary Neville and, and... Jim Beglin and all their bullshit. We were really good in that first 15 and we probably should have been ahead because, like you said, the Mane goal is, is outstanding. And it was funny, I'd avoided social media for, for the first half and I looked at that half time and um, it, it was just predominantly get Henderson off and I agreed, get Salah off and I was like, hang on a second now, get Mane off. I'm like, Right, I get that they're not playing well, but you do understand those two lads can break open any game. Like, they can break open any game in the world just with one minute of, of absolute genius or, like, ten seconds of genius, as it might be. And that's exactly what we see for the first goal. It's a brilliant pass and it's a brilliant finish. And then we should go 3-2 up because I have no idea how Jota misses. I, I don't understand whether he thought he had less time than he did, but like he could have taken a touch, picked his spot, and wrapped it home. This and is he from, the seemed he- Henderson through, from the Henderson through ball. No, yeah. no, for, in the second half, the the one was it was it Henderson's ball where he he shot and and, and Ederson saved it with his foot just after we scored. Well, a few minutes after we scored, he has that one where I think Salah plays it to him, and he shoots first time. Oh, the toe been, poke, yes, yeah. the Sorry, toe yeah. poke, yeah, like. Yeah, you have time. Take a touch. Yeah. Take a touch. Yeah. 
the, the, the first one in the first half where he, he waited and waited and waited and Laporte came across and Laporte is lying on the floor and Jota is still taking his time over things. And in the second half, then he gets an opportunity and he doesn't take the time he has. It was, it was a little bit frustrating, but that was sort of it for us. We had that 45 to 60 minute period. And even towards the end of that, you started to feel them starting to claw the game back. Like you mentioned, there's the uh, the Thiago one where he, he should have got a yellow card and didn't. And then the one where he absolutely cleans De Bruyne out of it. <laughs> and the best part is, as the game's playing on, Anthony Taylor's pointing at him, like telling him, you're getting a yellow card. And the ball doesn't go out of play for about three minutes. And then he goes over and gives Thiago the yellow card. And Thiago looks completely like confused. Like, what have I been booked for? I haven't done anything. Why did why did Thiago have to make that challenge on Kevin De Bruyne? Because someone was out of position pressing someone they shouldn't have been pressed, and the midfield was left wide open. Which member of our midfield didn't get a yellow card? Anyway, moving on. No, here we go. (laughs) Do do, do, do you know what? It's 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 genuinely an interesting uh, observation you make, Jim. We are going to take it to the end here because. The incident and incidents start to get lesser as we go through the rest of the game, except for one thing, Jim, and we'll start with that. Uh, And then uh, what I'm going to do is I'll I'll see the game out then uh, with you, and uh, I'll go to Dave then for his wrap-up thoughts and finish the show with yourself, Jim. So, and this is weird because, you know, you, you would think it's going to be high, high octane between now and the end, but not so much. Thiago does pick up that yellow, as Dave says, in 61 minutes. Trent is really, really good in a 1v1 with Foden on 62 because apparently he can defend. Uh, they go 3-2 up, they think, um, straight after that. It's uh, a De Bruyne ball into Sterling. Um, it looks as if they might have um, sprung the offside trap. Um, it goes to VAR, and quite rightly is 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 not awarded because he was offside. And you go again, and you sort of sort of take a breath, and you think we're really good at this shit, and maybe someone might want to acknowledge that in some position of um, microphone um, authority uh, at some point. So in terms of what happens next, there's an outrageous ball uh, into Sadio on 67 minutes. There's an, a brilliant bit of VVD defending um, against Sterling on 67. We take on Diaz for Jota. That does have an impact, Jim, I think. 70 minutes, we see Mo cutting in and shooting. There's a deflection. There's uh, a definite corner. Uh, but they check for a penalty because VAR can see that there has been a connection um, from Mo's shot that stops it from going in. Uh, and so they're checking for a fucking penalty. And then they say, yeah, it's come off not his arm. So um, it's come off some other part of him. So goal kick. Fucking ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Fucking ridiculous is exactly the right assessment there. Uh, 71 minutes, uh, Jesus has an opportunity where he's played in by De Bruyne. 
He hits the side rigging. They take on Mares for Sterling in 74. Really good bit of Liverpool play ends with a corner um, um, after that, but nothing comes of it. 77 minutes, we take on Naby Keita for Jordan Henderson. And on 81 minutes, uh, I can't remember who gets the yellow card for being late on Silva. Uh, on 82, Grealish is brought on for Jesus. Uh 83, Bob is brought on for Sadio. Sadio's last act, credit where it's due, was to track a run on a free kick, and he does it brilliantly. Um, and and, and you know, these are little things, uh, and they're not noticed by the... It, they certainly aren't noticed by the, the lads who give the ratings in places like the Echo that get um, put around the, 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 the country. That's massive. Fair fucking play, Sadio Mane, in my opinion. Cancelo cuts in and, and, and takes a, an attempt on 87 minutes, but it's well wide if Ali's left post. 88, Virgil takes out De Bruyne as he's bearing down on goal. It leaves a free kick, which is central, just outside the D. Uh, Mares hits the post from that. Uh, but Ali, I think, had it covered if we're... Looking back on it, yeah. four minutes are added. De Bruyne should pretty much get a yellow himself for a foul on Fabinho, uh, but apparently Anthony Tenner doesn't think it's worthy of it. There's a free on the right-hand side. And then on 93 minutes, Mares could have won the game. He is played in by De Bruyne again, uh, and... When he's cutting in, he's on his left foot, which, you know, as a lot, as I think uh, Dave pointed out earlier on, there's a bit of a standing leg and he lofts it over the top, uh, doesn't as execute it properly, and we are let off the hook. I don't know if we're let off the hook. Overall, that period of the game where we could have possibly turned the screw, we don't. Uh, we certainly seeded more, I think, than we created. And it's the reason why, Jim, overall, I feel that when we walk away with this 2-2, it might be a fucking wonderful point uh, on the basis of the season overall. We can't predict what's about to happen, but it might be a wonderful point in the context of the season overall because, you know, if we're being really honest and, They've started the show with this sentiment. He's dead right. You know, we should have lost the game at the end. That if Mares keeps his head, he should win the game. And overall, in terms of the chances that were created, uh, and you know the dominance, we've done well to come away from there with a two-two. In my opinion, Jim, what's your opinion? No, I, I agree, and I think I think if you flip it around a little bit, if that had been literally swap the two team names around and just literally talk about what we've just talked about and how it ended. If it had been Liverpool fluffing the lines at the last minute, if it had been Liverpool that, that hadn't capitalised on on a poor um, City performance in the first half and so on and so on and so on, we'd, we'd have been fuming. We'd have been fuming with Liverpool for, for letting themselves down and, and missing an opportunity. And instead, I think it's City who've done that. And it's interesting, I've, I've not got the quote to hand, but the way De Bruyne is talking afterwards is that um, I wish I'd, wish I'd kept the quote now, but he was just basically along the lines of that, you know, we 
he's admitted that you can't win every game and he almost sounds like he's expecting to lose a game before the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, the Liverpool does, players are, yeah, are talking the other way around, you know. It's, you, you're right, Jim, you're right, Jim. That's what, I was saying that to Dave earlier on. That's the thing I got from it. I don't know, I don't, I guarantee it won't be picked up by the papers or by, by other people, but the gist of what that De Bruyne's speech was, you're, you're so right, man, was, was, uh, you know, we need. It was like he was rallying the fucking troops. It's like this is how we need to play for the rest of the games, lads. Do you get this? This is how we need to fucking play yes. because yeah. obviously they hadn't. Now I don't know about you, but that gives me a little bit of fucking hope because I'm thinking, well, Definitely. maybe they can't get it up for the, the littler events, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly that. I mean, they, they. At times, this had all the all all the sort of feeling of being a final. I mean, in that last five minutes, it felt to me as though maybe ten minutes. It kind of turned into one of those extra time, last five or ten minutes of extra time feelings where neither side wanted to really, really commit to scoring in case they let one in at the other end, thinking it's going to go to pens. And then, obviously, someone realizes it's not going to go to pens. It's going to be going to be two two if it, if no one else scores. But yeah, I think I think yeah, definitely hundred percent. If we if we'd have looked at it the other way around, if we'd played the way they played and they'd played the way we played, we'd be gutted with our team for not going for the jugular, not finishing them off. And in, instead, you know, we, we sort of got out of jail to some extent. We, we Whatever Klopp said at half time, I'm sure all he had to just say to them was, you know what to do. And they did it within 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 seconds of the restart. I think, yeah, at times we, we lost our way definitely again. But they're a good team and I don't know. I, I generally think they've got more to be disappointed from that from, coming out of the game in itself than we have the only sort of bonus they have is that they still got that top spot in the table and it's still in their hands to win it you know they they we we can't do anything about it if they win every game kind of thing but it's as you say De Bruyne doesn't sound like he thinks they're going to win every game that they need to to do something about it and there just seems to be I mean the interesting thing is Grealish who I came up with a new term for him today because he reminds me of a, a stereotypical mank, the annoying, arrogant, cocky mank that you get. But he's a brummy, so I've decided he's a brank, which is like a, a <laughs> cross between the two, and that's an awful thing to think of. But, you know, he doesn't even get to play until the last sort of, not even 10 minutes he gets. And the one time he looked like he might do something and the crowd were all getting excited, Matip just puts him in his place, just wins the ball off him and just ends it. And that's the only thing I can really remember him actually doing in that in that whole bit of time he came on. So, yeah, it, 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 ended, it ended with them fluffing the lines, if you like, at the end. And, and they, they, could have, they could have beaten us with that. We've, but, you know, I think, I think we did enough. We did enough to get the point. It's disappointing because we... I genuinely, genuinely think if we look back and think if we'd have played in the first half more like we did in the second, we may well have won that. And that's that's where my disappointment comes. But it's happened now and we can still turn the season around. We've still got two other cups to go for. They could still mess up. They are still under pressure. They can still feel us breathing down the necks. They can still hear our heavy who's behind them. Um, there's every chance they're going to fall because they're worried about what we're doing. And, you know, we just gotta, we've just got to take every game as it comes and, and show them, you know, we are not a team to be messed with. Appreciate the uh, entry allusions there uh, from uh, from a proper scarcer uh, towards the end of the show. I'll be back to you for uh, a sign-off, Jim, in a second. And let's me and you do exactly that now, Dave. I mean, uh, overall thoughts, um, sum-ups, anything you want to get off your chest. And do as well, please, uh, before you go, finish up by telling folks where they can hear you over the week. 
I'm just looking at a clip of the um, the Mara's chance late on, and it definitely takes a clip off one of our two centre backs. I can't figure out if it's Virgil or if it's Joel. I know it went for a goal kick and it wasn't recognised by the referee, but it definitely there's a little movement in the ball as it goes kind of through their legs. It definitely clips one of them. It's not important, but you know it, it's potentially a title saving. Uh, interjection from one of them. Um, just the one thing I think you glossed over was the Sterling one that was offside because I, when it happened, I thought oh, he's miles offside. He's absolutely miles offside. And then I saw the still of it before they put the lines down. And you know when you see something and you just can't take your eyes off it because I couldn't figure out if he was offside or onside. But thankfully he was leaning just far enough that uh, it didn't make any real difference. And he was offside. Um, look, we, we played about as badly as we could possibly play today, and we got away with one. You, you look through that team, I think Ali was good, Trent, Joel and Virgil were good. I thought Robbo was really poor. I thought Fabinho had one of his worst games. Mane had a good second half after a bad first half. Jota scored a goal, but kind of fluffed his lines in two of the big moments, and the ball just didn't stick to him at all. And Salah had another iffy game. We, we've talked about the captain. There's no point in going over it. I think the team that finished the game is the team that should have started the game. But I don't know if Bobby was fit enough to start. But he would have given us more presence up front. He would have given us a bit more in terms of ball retention. And we might have been able to play out a bit more. One of the problems we had all game was that every time we pinged the ball into the front three, it was just bouncing right back off them. And we were never able to really establish ourselves. There was one point in the game where Virgil and Matip both moved into their half and we started to look like they, they'd gone two one up at that point, And we started to look like the Liverpool of norm, which is, you know, defending the halfway line, pressing them back, starting to suffocate them, but we just couldn't get anything to stick in the front three. Um, but as I say, there's a difference between great players having poor games and, and, you know, the, the dog shit we've seen all season from from others, so it is what it is. Uh, we're going to need to be an awful lot better next weekend in the Cup semi-final, or that will bring to an end any dreams that we may have of a quadruple. Um, as for me, two-footed pot every day and the Daily Red. I'm actually getting more and more annoyed now the more I think about that performance, so I'm just going to say goodbye. Thank you as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Yeah, I can hear it in you, man, and I think it's absolutely valid. Uh, absolutely valid. We, we, there's a lot of us, I think, are might be building towards that particular conclusion. And Jim, I mean, not to sort of spin anything or try to influence you at all in any way. Uh, you wouldn't let me anyway if I tried. Um, but that is, yeah, you can hear David. We probably should have been so much more ourselves in this one. It is a bit disappointing. Uh, do you think it's that the overall impact of what happened today is a negative one on the potential of, I know it's stupid, but indulge me, the four trophy reds? Um, I think everything, if there's one thing I, I can say has been consistent with Klopp since he came here is, when things don't go well, he looks at why they don't go well and he and we and as a team, as a club, as a squad, we learn from it. And I'm sure 
that he'll look at that today and there's things that we we can we can rip it apart and we can rip it apart all day there'll be things we've not even thought of that him and his coaching staff will have thought of things that he needs to put right i think it's just frustrating it's something i've seen from liverpool down the years when we've, we've been having decent or good spells or okay spells come to a big game i think i mean fa cuts i think we played villa in one a few years back and we just didn't turn up it was if like we were at Wembley, big occasion Nerves got to us. We just didn't realize. Yeah, it, it's just you know it, we did that. I think in the Europa League against um, we were playing in Switzerland in Baal, I think, and it just felt the same. We're all excited. This is big, massive night, and oh, okay, you know it's just like a damp squib, and that's that's the most frustrating thing about today that we we could have been better, we should have been better, and if we were better, we would have won, and that's that's the biggest frustration because the Liverpool side we've seen this season more often than not playing the way it has done this season more often than not would have won that and I think that's my biggest disappointment but you know the sort of flip side to that is that Klopp generally speaking does kind of learn from that and gets the team to learn from that I mean he even kind of did it in a way I suppose at half time because we did play better after the break although again not not to our usual standards I think there's a lesson to be learned I mean we came out of it 2-2 we're still in the league title race even though it's not in our hands anymore. It's still it's still a possibility. It could have been worse. And I think I generally think it could have been worse from that first half. And I think that that's that's the difference. And I think, you know, we, we, we can't get too upset by it because we know we're better than that. We play again in the Champions League, we play that then we play in the FA Cup, then we're playing the difficult, you know, Two, two games in a, go, in a row against our biggest rivals, if you like, long term rivals, who are no longer our biggest rivals on the pitch. It's you know, it's it, a toughest game of the season. The biggest disappointment is that we didn't put out, we didn't play our best, and that that to me is, is is the biggest disappointment of all. And and Klopp may well think that it's time for some players to be kind of taken to one side and and told that they're going to be having a rest for a while because it just wasn't good enough. Maybe maybe just being told it wasn't good enough will make a difference. But I hope I hope he recognises the the shortcomings and if anything maybe maybe another silver lining to it is maybe it gets him to persuade someone to put their hands in the pockets in the summer because you know all, all the the plays we've talked about today i'll not go overboard on them again who are sort of aging if you like they're going to be a year older ne- this time next year so we need to look at what we're doing in the summer to kind of bring replacements in if needed it's yeah it's it's not the end of the world it's disappointing we're still in for other courts we could still win it they could still mess up we'll I still feel like we'll be buying a pint for another another team's fans because I still think someone will do us a favour. But maybe I'm maybe that's just being sentimental. There's no evidence for that. It's just me maybe being sentimental. Uh, in terms of other shows, myself and Jay, we recorded a Scouts of Tommy's last week. We mentioned the City game a little bit, but we're talking mostly about all the stuff that goes on at this time. Time of year, this sort of spring months when things start getting exciting when you're a Liverpool fan and it used to be like that all the time in the 80s and it hasn't been like that for a while but this spring it's feeling like that you know there's still a lot to be excited for so have a listen and um have a listen to how it is in the city when things are this exciting at least in um in certain parts of the city anyway you would the 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 the, the story or the the, the line used to be gathering cups in may yeah uh, and I think we may well be in line to do that again. And I find myself ridiculously 
optimistic that that is a possibility for us and uh, myself and Jim and Dave will be back with you very very soon for another Raw the next one out is unless I'm mistaken Benfica and that is uh, Carl and Dave and myself and then we have the FA Cup game against City and that's Dave and Guy Drinkle who's uh, got us here so far uh, and myself and then it is uh, Dave and Harry and myself for Man United uh, Dave, myself and Carl for Everton and we will see you in April with the lineup from today with Jim and Dave and myself so I look forward to all of those games and I hope that each and every one of them brings us joy and brings us closer to the ridiculously possible still reality of the four trophy reds i will not let it go i am a greedy greedy man i want to talk uh thank uh, jim boardman i want to thank dave hendrick um we have no producer today so hopefully the quality is okay for you i'm trev downey they were the lads i will speak to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.